Hey gorgeous, if you want success on your fertility journey, you've got to have the mindset for it. It's time to kick fear, negativity, doubt, shame, jealousy, and the whole clown car of low vibe fertility journey BS to the curb. I'm your host, Roseanne Austin, fertility mindset master, former prosecutor and recovering type A control freak perfectionist. I use the power of mindset to get pregnant naturally and have my baby boy at 43, despite years of fertility treatment failure. I help women across the globe beat the odds on their fertility journey just like I did. Get ready for a quick hit of confidence, joy, feminine badassery, and loads of hell yes for your fertility journey. It's time to get fearless, baby, fearlessly fertile. Let's do this. Welcome to the Fearlessly Fertile Podcast, episode 150. The MD who traded misery for joy became Mama Mariev. Oh my goodness, loves. I am so excited to be here with you this week as we present the very first interview of the year. You know, I got to tell you, I just sometimes I giggle to myself. Sometimes I shriek and, and do a little dance because I truly get to work with some of the most extraordinary women in the world. Not only are they smart as fuck, they're kind, they're generous, and they truly pay it forward. And in the interview that you're going to be hearing today, you're going to meet my beloved, beloved Mariev. Not only is this gorgeous woman a powerhouse in medicine in her home state of Quebec, practicing emergency medicine, sports medicine, and geriatrics, she also lives a very full life with her partner. And when the two of them decided to start a family, there were some issues that came up that they hadn't anticipated. And in her lovably type A control freaky professional Mariev way, she went after it, you know, looking under every stone, trying so many different things. But as you're going to discover, one of the most important things that she had to address was her mindset, how she saw herself, how she saw this journey, and really rewriting what it means to be committed. Mariev will share in her own words that she had to shift the way that she saw commitment. Yes, there is no question she was committed to being a mom, but she had to learn that that does not necessarily mean grinding herself down, torturing herself, and completely depriving herself of joy and all of the things that she loves about her life. She decided to take control in a new way. She made a decision that her treatments were going to work. She was going to treat herself like a queen. And she was going to show this baby exactly who she was. And what's extraordinary, as I know you've heard me say before, there is miraculous power in a woman making a decision. So if you've been on this journey for a while, you've got failed cycles under your belt, you're starting to freak out, put this episode on blast, baby, because Mariev is going to be showing us the way. You're going to learn that you get to do this journey on your terms. You get to have joy. You get to have peace. You get to have confidence. So here's my conversation with the beloved Mariev. So why don't you just start us off, love, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and, and how you found yourself on the journey. And we'll just start it that way. Okay. Awesome. Well, my name is Mariev. I'm a um, general practitioner is working in Montreal, Quebec. I do sports medicine, emergency medicine, and a lot of geriatrics as well. So I have a big practice. I'm always busy. I love to run around and all. 
And yeah, I met my partner when I was 32, 33 years old or so. And we decided that we would like to start a family when I, when I was 34 years old. Everything was going so great and I wasn't stressed about it. And I never thought that it would have any fertility issue. There's none in my family. I knew some people around me that had to fight this, but for me, it's never felt stress about it. We went on and, and tried naturally for a year or so. So when I turned 35, no babies, nothing close. So I was like, mm, maybe something's up. I'm just going to do blood work uh, with my, uh, my GP. And everything turned out to be normal. Uh, so she just said, well, maybe we should check on your partner. And I said, okay. And time, <laughs> and he waited a little bit. So a little later, he, he did some tests and we realized that the problem was coming on his side. Unfortunately, it was pretty severe. Like the, the sperm count was very, very, very low. So he did a chromosome analysis and it turns out that he had something in his Y chromosome, which which is called a micro deletions. <laughs> I'm not sure mm-hmm. how to say it. Well, something ha- affected his sperm count. So the doctor said, don't even waste your time trying naturally anymore. You need to go straight to a fertility clinic. And worse than that, don't even try IUI, just go straight to IVF. So it, it was a bit of a shock, but again, I wasn't panicking because I thought this is problem that we, we can easily solve. So I was now still 35 going later in life. And we just, we just started and we just consulted this very good clinic with good references. The feeling was good and I was pretty confident. So we did a first round and this is where it started. I don't know. Do you want me to keep going on and tell yeah, the whole story? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. I think that's, that's a, a wonderful foundation. Yeah, keep going. Okay. So again, we were very hopeful and everyone was telling us like, it's an easy problem. You're, you're going to, it's going to work the first time. And the few people that I knew that went through IVF, it worked the first time, literally like the first transfer, their first stimulation, everything <laughs> went super easily. So I was expecting the same thing for myself. And we did it and it turned out to, to be not as bad as I expected the injections. I, I, I mean, I wasn't complaining. I was still very just positive about it. And yeah, so we had the first transfer. We ended up having three embryos. And the, on the morning of the first transfer, I remember they called me and told me, we lost your embryo. The, the one we decided to use today just the unfreezing process didn't work. So we're going to use another one. I was like, okay, something is not going right on track. It might not be as easy, but I still have two more embryos left. I had three at, at the start. We just lost one without even trying. It's, it sucks, but we knew this thing could happen, but I was, I was a bit unstable. I was like, okay. And so I, I went in the room, had the transfer, was still feeling a bit shaky from that news, uh, but I was still very hopeful. We waited for the two weeks. I was expecting a positive result. I, I didn't even think about it. And then the morning I decided to check myself, do, do a PV test just because I, I was sure it would, would have been positive. I was going to work and it was negative. So I was like in shock and, oh my God, maybe there's a mistake. The test must be wrong. I'm going to wait for the phone call and learn that I'm going to be a mom. Received a phone call and it was negative. So first transfer, a bit disappointing, but I still had one more embryo to go. Let's go. Let's try this. A month later, we did the same thing and negative. Like 
HCG zero, nothing worked. And it was late February, 2020. So the pandemic happened right after it. And I remember my doctor saying, when there's a transfer failure, we need to go and test, do more tests, do a hysteroscopy and stuff like that. So I, I was... I was lucky enough to have friends that would help me to have these tests right before the pandemic because everything stopped. But obviously all the cycles at the fertility clinic stopped for six months. So we knew that for the next month, we could not have any hope for for family because we knew that my partner issue was not allowing us to to have a children naturally. Well, that's that's how they presented it to us. So I just focused on the pandemic, on my work and... I mean, I waited the six months. I it was I was sad, but wasn't devastated. Still, I knew I just had only two tries, so it wasn't that bad. And then six months later, the clinic opened again, and I met my doctor. And I switched doctor in the clinic because I felt like maybe when you're a physician, you you ask a lot of questions, and she felt a bit like uncomfortable with me being very involved in the treatment. So I they switched me to the doctor who has the most experience and he's really great. And he was very more, it, it was more straightforward. He was like, okay, Maya, stop. You're not a doctor. You're a patient here. <laughs> and it helped me a lot. So we decided to do a banking an embryo banking. Uh, since we didn't have a lot on the first round and we lost one. So he said, let's do two stems in a row and see how many embryos you have. And we'll do a PGTA and see if the genetic is all right, because your partner has a genetic issue, maybe the issue is there. So we did two stims in a row. And this was hard. I, I remember this is where maybe I hit a wall or something. It was summer 2020. And I remember not being able to do everything that I wanted because I had so many appointments. I remember canceling clinics, switching ER shifts. It's hell. Like it took control of my life. Two stimulations in a row is a job <laughs> is a job itself. Right. So I was like, okay, this, let's do this. I can do this. It's only two or three months. We will make it work. And at the end of it, I ended up having three embryos from the first them and two embryos from the second one. It wasn't a big, like, it wasn't a big success. I was a bit disappointed. The doctors were a bit disappointed as well. So it turned out that in the genetic analysis on the first try, the three embryos we had, only one was normal. Two others were not normal. So like just not because we have a specific issue, just because it's nature. And we decided to not analyze the two last from the last, the second cycle, because we didn't want to lose them by just doing biopsy and stuff. So I ended up after two stimulations, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of time and energy just with three embryos, one that was sure to be normal and two others that we didn't know what to expect. So we just took a break and decided to focus on just relax my hair, focus on your work, focus on your job and see how it goes. But I was like, I want to go, I want to go full in. But the doctors told me take him one month off. So I got kind of mad and I was very angry. And I remember starting that <laughs> the September was Angry was like, just do the transfer. Just give me the normal embryo. This one's going to stick. We know the problem. The embryos were probably not normal, the first one. So we did, we did the transfer in October after a month of just off. But I wasn't in a, in a good mood during that month off. I didn't take care of myself. I, just, I was just feeling I was con constantly fighting life. 
This is how I felt. I was mad. So October did the third transfer with the normal embryo. My hopes were high. I was, uh, I was like, we know it's going to work. And it was negative again. So when this result came back, I was devastated. I was like, I'm never going to be a mom. And this is where I hit, I think I hit rock bottom because I thought I would never be a mom or never be able to carry a baby. So I started, I, I'm in the action, ER doc, sports medicine, very, very active in life. So I was like, I need to find a solution. I'm going to hire a surrogate. So we went straight to surrogacy. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was extreme. So we, we looked into that. And even after the transfer, even with two embryos left, I was like, I don't want to spoil my two last embryos. We don't even know if they're normal. So yeah, my doctor was kind of thinking that I was too extreme. So he said, no, try it again. And I did another try with the untested embryo, the first one, and obviously didn't work again. Uh, still negative. This time it was a biochemical pregnancy, but still no babies after it. So I was again, very, very devastated. My, and now it, it was affecting my, my partner. My partner is just super positive. Uh, I'm the realistic one, but he is, he was super hopeful. And then this is where both of us, we were like, okay, this is not working. The surrogacy, we, we looked into it, but we felt like it's not, it's, it's maybe too, too early, too hard, too, too complicated. And this is where I met you, Roseanne. <laughs> so this is where, when one of my friends saw me struggling and going from left to right, north, south, east, west. I, I didn't know where to go. And she said, just listen to this podcast and see it rings any bell if you feel any better. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe this is where I need to act. So this is how I contacted you. And I started listening to your podcast. And that didn't scare you away. Not at all. <laughs> Actually, it, it grounded me way more. Because I, like I was telling you, after four failures, three stimulations, two in a row, a lot of hormones, you're going cuckoo, you're going crazy. And you were kind of a rock for me. Because you were like, you, you never gave me certainty. But I was looking for something to hold on to and just something to work on. And surrogacy, I knew in deep down that surrogacy wasn't my, <laughs> wasn't my destiny, but, and you made it clear for me that I was the one who would decide how it, how it would happen, how it would work. And I still had control over my body, over my treatments, over how I was living the whole process. And you never told me what to do. You just gave me keys and some cues and some tools, honestly, to make it livable. And I remember I subscribed to the, the coaching group and I remember hearing all of these ladies with amazing stories and miraculous stories. <laughs> it even gave me, gave me hope that it would maybe work naturally. Who knows? So it, it was something that we even stopped trying and we just, we said, well, well maybe it could work. We, we knew that our chances were very, very low and I'm a doctor and I know the stuff, but it, it just gave us hope that, okay, no, it's not done and we don't have to. Just look at surrogacy anymore. It, make it, it made it more just, I don't know, a natural process, even if it was still very medical because it was still IVF and all. So I did, there was one embryo left and this embryo was, I'm sorry to say, not good quality, a bit 
like the last one in the row, it was a day, a day six. Like they, they like it when it's a day five blast, but it was a day six. So it was a late bloomer, if we can say so. And I wasn't putting so too much hope on it, but I wanted to, I wanted to try it. And I, I remember asking you the question, should I try it or just go straight to another stimulation and make more embryos? Together, you just, it was natural, natural that I was like, okay, now I give, I need to give this embryo a chance. And we did it. It was around Christmas. So a year ago, exactly. I went to the clinic and had this transfer on December 26th. And I don't remember exactly how you told me, but you just told me like, be yourself, Maria, be, just live it how I live, how we would live normally without thinking about this transfer, without being careful, just be the active Maria that you are. And so don't be a slave. <laughs> don't be the slave of your idea. So I did this transfer and I got pregnant. <laughs> so for the first time in my life, I had positive tests and I was amazed. I was like, okay, this just thinking first and not being dramatic and not trying to find extreme solutions. It's, it was, it, it worked. So I was like, this is it. It's done. I cannot believe it. <laughs> on the last ride it was too good to be true and a few weeks later uh not, not even weeks no days I started bleeding and I was still on the group I still had like two or three more sessions to go and it was a bit miraculous we had the two first sessions I got pregnant I announced it to the ladies and then the two last sessions I was like oh I'm bleeding this is not good I, I don't even if some bleeding can be normal, I, I had a bad feeling and it turned out to be a, a blighted ovum. So I had a miscarriage on that transfer. So yeah, it, it was hard. After five transfers, well, fourth negative transfers, one pregnancy and ending up in a miscarriage, you're like, okay, why me? What is wrong with me? And what started up to be like an easy problem to solve, like just a masculine problem. It's easy. We go IVF. We, it, it didn't work. Weirdly, it, it, it wasn't, the, I was sad, but not as devastated as the time that I had the negative transfer from the normal embryo. And I think it was with your help because you made me realize that my baby was coming and something was working and we were some, doing something right and I could get pregnant. And this wasn't my baby, but something came up and something worked. And I was like, okay, maybe I just need to still focus more on myself and be even more myself. And it, maybe it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up working. He's coming or she's coming. I didn't know. But instead of being very sad for a long time, instead of being devastated, I was weirdly made me hopeful yeah yeah and so I waited obviously the two or three months after a miscarriage and all the procedures uh and I decided to do another cycle so it would have been my fourth cycle and because of the break because I was in a better mindset in a better mindset uh it was so easy (laughs) and I don't I don't even know why it's the same, it's the same procedures, the same injections, the same drugs, but I was able to work even more while I was doing it. I was just more 
instead of being the slave of the IVF, I took control. I took control of my life. I took control of the treatment. I decided that this would work. I was just, it it was natural. And right before I started this cycle, I remember telling my partner, okay, this might be the last break we have before we get pregnant. So why not go on a trip? So we went on a ski trip, a crazy ski trip, Southwest Canada. We did like crazy runs and we had waist deep snow and I felt myself. So when I started that cycle, I just came back from a dream trip for me and I was working, doing what I loved. And even if I was tired physically, I felt myself. So maybe it helped through the process. I don't know, but it has been the easiest cycle and the most productive cycle. So we ended up with five embryos just from out of one and all good qualities. We didn't did the pre-GTA test because we just, just by the fact that we were letting go and not trying to control everything, not trying to control the genetic, not trying to control the the when, the how, it it just worked out and we trusted life. I don't know. Something's changed and you're a big part of it. (laughs) So we had a first fresh transfer. We decided that, yeah, why not try that? And it was April. So, and this was a very, very special moment because I, I remember laughing and having fun with my, the nurses from of my clinic. I remember my doctor wasn't on call that day for the transfer, but he decided to do it by himself because he wanted to be there for me. And we laughed together. It was just like, I was, it's, it's like, I wasn't doing a medical procedures. I was just having fun and chatting with my friends almost. <laughs> so it was a very special moment. And I, I, I decided that these two weeks would be special and would, I, I would, treat myself like a queen. I would live it luxuriously. And I went for facial, which I I, I love. I love having massage. I love enjoy myself. And I decided to go to facial. But the the funny thing is that the day after the transfer, it was a beautiful spring day in Quebec. It was 20 degrees. How how many Fahrenheit is it? In the 60s, like super warm. Yeah. And I went skiing the day after my transfer, I wouldn't have even thought about it because I would have been scared that, oh, maybe the bumps, maybe it's not going to help the baby. And I was like, no, I feel like my body wants to ski. So my baby wants to ski this embryo. He wants to feel what it's like to be skiing. He wants, if he wants to stick, I need to show him how fun is it, it is to be living with us. So I went skiing, doing spring skiing bumps and slush. And I was like, it's, it's like when snow is like corn, it's just, it's very it's a very special kind of skiing and it's very bumpy. And after that, I went straight to the bar. I had a beer like the day after my transfer. I was like, no, there's no way that on this beautiful, beautiful, sunny days, I'm not going to hang out with my friends and having a beer after my day of skiing. So I did that. And two days later, I went for a facial. And while I was having this facial, I just got into a like little meditative state where I, I, okay, it's, I'm super rational normally, but I heard my baby talking to me. I knew that she was there. There was a little girl with me that, that day. And she told me, yes, it's okay. Don't, don't even be concerned. We're here. It's, it's happening. And I knew I was pregnant two days late, two or three days after my transfer. I don't know. It was a very, very special moment. I was convinced it was a girl. I was convinced I was pregnant. And I did the testing two days before my blood draw or something at home. And it was positive. I was pregnant again. And this one was there to, to stay. I felt it. So, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> I got pregnant and it worked. And even if it was a very bumpy start, I had a lot of bleeding again. I felt like he wanted to hold on this baby. And I, we talked a lot during this period and you told me to trust my baby. And I decided to trust him because it ended up being a boy. <laughs> so I was wrong on that point. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he has a little girl voice. <laughs> but yeah, my little boy is still here with me and I'm now pregnant and I'm now 30 weeks and a half pregnant and I, I can't go into labor any minutes. <laughs> I waited for a long time to do that podcast, but uh, I feel like it it is important for me to tell my story. Yes. And you know what? It's so interesting, Mariev, and and you've shared so generously. And there are some really powerful things that you said that I want to make sure that we highlight because, you know, as an observer, I got to see the transformation. (laughs) I got to see the change and I'm wearing a necklace my son made for me because he wanted, he's like, mommy, you have to wear that. <sighs> this has macaroni and some uh, flowers that he made, but. It's but, very festive. Yeah. Like yeah. But, you know, as an observer watching you and how much you changed, it doesn't surprise me, Maria, because you changed this, this cycle that brought your little boy you were so different. I mean, I even remember when you sent me the picture from after getting your hair done or what was a facial, the whole thing. And you were just glowing. You allowed yourself to feel joy and to be yourself. I mean, I I, I think that's one of the biggest lessons that women can take from this is that you can have joy in this process. I mean, nobody wants to believe me when I say it, but you're living proof. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this is how I think this is the key to success because every cases are different. But in my case, there was no actual reason that it would it wouldn't work. I think I just needed to be patient and survive the process. But when we say surviving, it's a bit negative. But I mean, what I mean is I just needed to go through the process and to go through it. Why not do it with fun, with having fun and being ourselves and enjoy it and treat ourselves and just treat ourselves, you know? I think we sometimes forget what this is about, right? Like we just get into this trap that, you know, every two weeks I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And you're having a baby. You're, you're trying to create this family. And I think we just take the joy out of it. And I love what you said. You said you treated yourself like a queen. Like, did you ever think that a cycle could be like that? No. Not, not at first. At first I was a slave. This is the feeling I was having. I was, I was mad. I was angry. I was like, I need to go to the appointment. It's early in the morning. I need, I'll be stuck in traffic and I do, do injections and I need to drug myself and I don't feel, even feel myself anymore. I have mood changes and my skin is not pretty. And I was just all over the place for three cycles for a year or so. I was not myself. I was just constantly mad and negative. And when I decided to just switch it around, okay, no, it's part of it. It sucks having injections to do, but it's for a good cause. And the rest of my life is beautiful. And I have friends and I have activities that I love. There's no way that skiing is dangerous for my baby. So I'm going to do it all. And it, it it made it livable. And this is how I think you can succeed. If you make it livable, you're going to go through it. 
if you're a slave, you're going to stop because it's too hard and it's too painful and you're going to stop before your success. But inevitably, it would have would have worked. Yeah, this is what I think I could have stopped, especially when I was I got down and I had my negative transfer from the normal embryo. I was just in so much pain. It was such a painful process that I could have stopped because I wasn't myself anymore. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, part of, I agree with you. I think it's a huge part of success on this journey is being willing to have joy, to be yourself and quit making quote unquote failures mean something that they don't. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy. I mean, because you as a physician could have been caught up in the statistics. Oh my gosh, I've had all of these retrievals. I've had so many transfers. Now I've had a miscarriage. How the hell am I going to get out of this? Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It was, (laughs) there was so many bad signs and I could have just got stuck on it. And no, it's, you need to be yourself in the process. And this is the key that I wish I would have known at first. I really wish it wouldn't have worked early, earlier than it is, but at least I would have enjoyed the process and I would have been myself and I would have, I wouldn't have had suffered that much. Right. Right. And that suffering is Mm self-created. And, and I think we, as women, you know, on this journey, we forget our power, right? Because we're literally creating our experience by what we tell ourselves, by what we believe, by how we approach this journey. So what is it that, you know, what do you think one of the biggest lessons was that you took away from all this? To not be the slave of your treatment, to of your infertility, actually. It's a part of your life. It sucks. It's hard, but you're still something else. You're still a, a wife, a girlfriend, a friend, maybe already a mom, a sister. You're, you're someone else. What is hard with infertility is that it gets so big. It's huge. It, it brings so many emotions, but you need to just see the big picture and be yourself. I think this is when I got back to myself, I made it livable. I was happy. I was, everyone told me my face changed. My, I was, I was living again. I wasn't even pregnant. I I had just suffered a miscarriage and I was happier than I was at the happiest point of my life since two years, since I was, I started trying to have a baby. So I think this would be one big point, one take big take home message. And the other one would be just be grateful with what you, you already have. Cause when you see all these good things, you start, you stop just focusing on what you lack and you see what you have and it helps to keep on going. Cause you know, you already have a lot of good things in your life. So the things that are missing are just going to come by themselves when they're ready, when your baby's ready, you're going to have it. But while you're waiting for it, just see how great your life it already is. And it, this is the main change that I would say <laughs> that happened uh, from, uh, from the, your podcast and your help, that, the help that you brought me. Uh, I remember the first question you asked us, uh, one of the first questions you asked us, it was like, what would you like to bring? Like, how would you like to change? What, what is your main objective? And I told you, I want to be more grateful because I, I, I felt at that point I was so negative. I was such in a hard place. Like I, my whole life sucked, but I wanted to be grateful. And I've never been more grateful in my life. It's easy to say now that I'm pregnant. And, but 
Right. Even just right before my pregnancy, even after my miscarriage, I was like, no, I have a great life. And thank you for that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, but you did the work, Mariev. You know, you were there. You were always there doing the work, asking questions, and you really put yourself in it because, and I think that another lesson that you're teaching us right now is the real humanity of the physician, right? Because you as a physician could have just completely focused on the statistics or, you know, tried to take over, you know, for the doctor that was treating you. (laughs) You couldn't be the physician in that you had to become the patient. And I'm sure that seeing it from that perspective has probably impacted the way you show up as a physician. Yeah, of course. And it's a very important point that you're bringing because the first physician that I had was so sweet, but she was, I I was leading. I was deciding, I was calling the shots and I'm not even in fertility. I'm not, yeah, I'm (laughs) far from it. And by talking to you and just by switching doctor, just switching to a doctor that is more in control and would take the decisions and would bring me back to my place. It helped so much. It was a big game changer, even if it wasn't the first, I mean, I think it was a very important ingredient to my success, to my success. Right. Right. And yeah, but I became so much more human as a doctor as well. So more, more empathy, more patience, more like just more grounded, if I can say so. I don't know if it makes any sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And you know, one of the other things that I remember, because think about it, I mean, you did this in a really short period of time. Like that was, I mean, I think you you did that. I mean, you went from miscarriage to doing this work to now you're 38 and is it 38 (laughs) weeks pregnant? 30 30, 30 plus, I'm 30. Actually, tomorrow I'm 39 weeks. (laughs) I mean, you did that in such, I mean, that personal transformation and everything that you created, you did that in basically less than a year. Mm-hmm. Last year, I was going for my transfer. I, I, I remember I was still, I was in a better place in a, a year ago than I was, it was, I was getting better, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been long and short. I mean, IVF, what, what was really long is the pandemic break for six months. But if, if this would have not happened, I, I don't even know. Maybe I would have ended up with six cycles or something. I was on a mission. I was like, I'm going to get pregnant and the way I need to do it is IVF. So I'm going to do all the IVF treatment that needed to be done. So even that raises an interesting point though, because for you, I remember right before you conceived your son, there was so much that had changed about you. You had, you had allowed the feminine to really come out. Did you see that too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, receiving, being more tender with myself. I realized I, I could stop fighting. I could stop calling the shots and just receive and be in a peaceful stage and do stuff that I like and just being more gentle. Yeah, I think I'm more gentle. Yeah, myself. Yeah. You know, I always find that it's our children are always asking us to be better. And it's not because we're bad, but it's it's preparation for, you know, for what's to come. And I think that, you know, letting go of that perfectionism, letting go of having to control so much of that is such a powerful lesson that when you're when your son's born very soon, <laughs> so soon. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll be you'll be able to thank him for. So what would you want the women listening to know? Like if you were going to, I mean, you've shared so many brilliant, you know, gold nuggets here, 
But what is it that you would most want them to know? I think it can take a lot of time for it to work. And naturally, IVF, medically, whatever. And yeah, I did it in a short period of time because I was on a mission in a clinic where like, okay, they had time. They, they could allow me to do to go to this rhythm. My body would allow me as well to go to this rhythm, but it could have, it could have been forever. So you need to, I, I hate this term, but it's, you need to survive this. You need to go through this, through the whole process. And if you want to go through the whole process, your baby is at the end. That's, it's not a certainty, but if you believe it, I think your baby's at the end. Trust it, trust your instinct. If you want to become a mother, you're going to become a mother, but we, we cannot know how long it's going to take. So while you're on this quest, take care of yourself. This is what I want the ladies to hear. And please have fun going through that process because this is how you're going to last. And this is how you're, you're going to be able to last as long as it's going to, as long as it's going to take, because you, you don't know, we, we don't know when, but we, we know that you're going to have your baby. If it's in your heart, like you, you always say it, I'm sorry to just use your, your own words. No, it's but true. If it's in your heart, your baby's coming, but it might take years. So just make sure that you're able to last all these years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a, I mean, I think that's such a beautiful message, especially hearing that from you as somebody who is a very active person, somebody who's very engaged in their lives and also somebody who saw what it was like to, to not, you know, to let yourself go and to be, you know, tired and stressed out and hit rock bottom. Because I honestly believe that joy, having joy on this journey breeds resilience. And that's essentially what you're talking about is being Mm -hmm. able to put one foot in front of the other. And because you found your joy, because you allowed yourself to receive and, and go back to what you love, you had the resilience to stick in there. And now your boy is here yeah. and, and you're going to be meeting him very soon. Exactly. I can't believe it. And, yeah. and I trusted him as well, even because the process doesn't stop at getting pregnant. <laughs> I can tell yes. you that. I really yes. needed your help after, after the pregnancy announcement. I mean, wow, it's positive. But then all the insecurities and all the doubts, they come back and it's different. You ha- already had a miscarriage. So I think that it's normal to have all these insecurities, but it's still the same process. You need to trust that your baby is coming, trust your baby. And I always tell myself what you told me, neck down, just feel like, you know, your body's there. So neck down, I'm all... Yes. The minute I'm getting anxious about something, a test or whatever, I'm like, no, not here. Neck down. Your baby's here. You feel it moving. He's here. He's telling me that I am fine, mom. Just stop worrying about this. Yeah, I love We're going to be being together very soon. (laughs) I love that, Mariev. And, you know, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to share your story with all of us because it's such an inspiration to see how someone who went through what you've been through has, was able to turn it around and, and really create something beautiful because in this process, you got you back and you also were able to see that two things could be true at the same time. You could be yourself and that that was good enough. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us woman. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I can't wait for you to tell me when he's born. 
Oh yeah. You're going to receive some pictures very soon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, love. I really appreciate it. And this is going to help so many women. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Roseanne, for everything. And thank you to all the ladies that inspired me as well through the process. And yeah, you, it's just incredible the help that you can bring and the life-changing stuff that you can bring to, to us as well. OMG, my loves. Ah, didn't you just fall in love with Mariev? Dude, it is just, it, it's incredible what a gift it is to hear another woman with such humility really wanting to share in such a powerful way. And I really hope that every single one of you takes from that interview that you have the power to make a decision. You get to decide. You can treat yourself like a queen while living this journey. You can do all of that. And there's nothing wrong. You get to be yourself. You get to do all of those things. I love that Mariev went skiing right after her transfer. I love that she went and had a beer. She is the essence of yes and. Yes, I want this baby. And I'm not going to lose myself. And I'm going to live a full life. That has got to be one of the most precious, priceless, and life-changing lessons anyone can share on this journey. And it all started with Mariev's willingness to admit that she needed help. She knew that she was only getting so far on her own. And what a blessing and honor it was for me to be by her side. Two heads are better than one, my loves. And frankly, there's more than two heads because when you're part of the Fearlessly Fertile Method program, you are surrounded with other like-minded, high-achieving, badass, big-hearted women from every corner of the earth coming together for one thing, and that's mindset because mindset elevates medicine. And when you're surrounded with such high vibrational women, the most incredible things happen. So if you want to learn what I taught Mariev and every single woman that has appeared on this podcast, my Fearlessly Fertile Method program is for women who intend to get pregnant in the next 12 months and say, hell yes, to covering their bases, mind and body. So you don't have to look back on this time in your life with regret. I work with women who are committed to success, so committed that they are willing to get out of their way, stop making excuses and jump in with both feet. To apply for your interview for this program, go to my website, www.frommaybe2baby.com and apply for an interview there. My methodology has helped women around the world make their mom dreams come true. Their results, as you heard here today, speak for themselves. If you don't have a mindset for success on this journey, baby, you got a gaping hole in your strategy. Let's fix that shit and set you up for success. Let's make this year the year that everything changes. Till next time change your mindset, change your results. Love this episode of the Fearlessly Fertile podcast? Subscribe now and leave an awesome review. Remember, the desire in your heart to be a mom is there because it was meant for you. When it comes to your dreams, keep saying hell yes.